Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Now I see the secret of making the best person. It is to grow in the open air and to eat and sleep with the earth. Walt Whitman. So we heard there was weather, um, coming and we're like, yeah, it's just some rain. You know, we've been in rain. And not to mention my food bag got tangled with two other food bags um, with two of my other family members who their food bag broke. So we're like, five of us are climbing this tree, getting it out. So we're like, okay, we're already running behind for the day. We try to beat the storm. We go up and over Roan Mountain. Everything's fine, but we feel the rain. So we come down Roan Mountain and me and one of my trail members, PYT, his name is Dave. He and I cross the street at Carver Gap and we're like, all right, as soon as we, like crest onto the street, 70 mile an hour wind gusts are just pushing us back. And we're like, oh crap. Like we have to get to that shelter. Like there was, we were at the parking lot, not a single car, nothing was available for us to just escape. So we're like, we have to keep going. So we're climbing up the balls, which are 100% exposed. Um, and it's just wind, rain. And I'm talking like rain that is pushing me down. I'm like crawling on the ground. The trail is a two foot deep muddy river of freezing cold water. And me and PYT, like he's like looking back cause I'm like getting thrown around. Cause I'm like little and you know, apparently I'm a good windbreak and it's flaring me around. I'm like falling on the ground. And we're just like, we just gotta run. We gotta get up. We're climbing up these bulbs. Cause we know the big red barn is at the top. So we're like, we just have to get there. It'll keep us safe. So as we're like running and we're just like getting thrashed around, we pick up my friend Biscuits who's hiding under a, a bush with a, his umbrella. Like, I don't know what to do. So we find him. Then, Further up, we find our friend Nash, who's also like hunkered down beneath the bush. Like, I don't, 
what do we do? So I'm like, let's go together, we'll like link up. And as we're climbing up in this water, there's hail, it's disgusting wind. And we start seeing this barefoot, like a, like a, like a bare footprint, like a human's foot that doesn't have a shoe on it. And it's in the mud, a bare footprint. We're like, what is going on? I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. Well, this week we have a very special episode. This is the season two finale of the podcast, which makes this episode 50 of the season and the 100th episode of the John Freaking Mirror Pod. And for this special episode, we have a very special guest. It is my pleasure to welcome Julia Rocket Sheehan to the pod. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you very much for for joining us. I know you are on a short time frame and we kind of went through a a whirlwind of, of social media DMs this morning to try and make this happen. And here you are. So I really appreciate the effort. Yes, I'm glad it could all work out. Okay. Now here on the, on the John Freaking Muir Pod, we only go by trail names. So my trail name is Doc. Uh, it's not on my paycheck. It's not on my driver's license, but uh, that's what we talk. That's, that's how we refer to me here on the podcast. And I'm assuming from your, all your experiences, you also have a trail name. Yes, I am Rocket and I go by that by whoever calls me it. Okay. Even at work? Some people, yeah, they watch my videos and they're like, oh, Rocket. I'm like, hey, it feels really natural like when people call me that. So I, it doesn't bother me at all. Okay. And do you have the story behind the trail name? Yes. Although most people think Rocket comes from like how fast or awesome I am. But my trail name is Rocket is short for Snot Rocket. And that's pretty self-explanatory. Okay. <laughs> that's a twist right at the beginning. Didn't see that one coming. Yep. Very phlegmy on trail. <laughs> well, I guess Rocket is better than Flemmy. Yeah, I, you know, I would have gone with Flemmy too. I think a trail name, well, however you get it, is well-deserved. So, Okay. Hey, Rocket, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast before? I think you did an episode with my girl, Mountain Cat, about her um, southbound IAT through hike last year. I did. So I listened to, to most of that. So it was really cool. Okay. And I only ask because I want to make sure that you prepared for a segment at the end of the episode called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. And that's where I will turn to you and ask you for a piece of wisdom, some insight, a tip that's going to help our listeners' next outdoor adventure be even better. All right. I'll chew on that while we're, while we're chatting. Okay. Very good. Maybe something to do with snot rockets. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Another feature we've been doing this season is the Must Bring Gear Review, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Outdoor Vitals. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. 
So Rocket, what uh, is your must bring piece of gear? I would say above all else, you have to have a, you have to, your pack has to be comfortable. So I would absolutely, it would need to be a pack that I can wear, you know, for eight to 12 hours a day. Um, my two favorites are Gossamer Gear and Light AF. Those are my two packs that I use almost exclusively at the moment. So either of those are great, great choices. Okay. And what are the capacity of those packs? Um, I have a 60 liter Mariposa from Gossamer Gear. That was on my AT through hike. Since then, I've really like decreased my, my base weight. So now I have the G420, which is a frameless pack from Gossamer Gear. Um, it's, it can hold up to 30 pounds safe, 30 pounds, like, happily and then 35 pounds like is its max and then the light af is the same and that's about a i think it's a 42 liter pack okay so they're much smaller but they can carry around the same amount of weight okay and what is your base weight i i mean the last time i measured was in 2020 so i think like my summer weight is somewhere between 12 and 13 pounds and then my winter weight is somewhere between like 15 and 16 and how does that differ from when you first took on the AT back in 2019? Would you show up to at, uh, is it Springer Mountain? Did you go northbound? Yeah. So yeah, what, I did. When, you, when you showed up to Springer Mountain in 2019, what was your base weight? I think I like pinched ounces. Like I was literally measuring and I think it was like 20 pounds, almost dead even. And, uh, you know, pretty quickly early on, you realize you like don't have, I didn't have enough stuff. So my base weight ended up being like 22-ish to maybe 24-ish pounds when I first started. Okay, and what is your preferred sleep system? Do you go tent? Are you a uh, tarp and a pad? Or are, you, or are you a cowboy camper? I love cowboy camping in the right conditions. No skeeters, no rain, I'm cowboy camping. For me, the, the fake security of a you know DCF or still nylon tent is just not worth the risk of not seeing stars when I wake up throughout the night. Um, so if there's no skeeters and there's no rain, I am 100% cowboy camping. That's right. The tent, the tent, and the state of exhaustion at the end of the day is a big, a big opponent in terms of wanting to see the stars. So you typically you can't make it to hike or midnight. You're in the tent and you wake up in the middle of the night and there's not not a clear view. So cowboy nope. camping, or if you have a tarp and you've got a set, you've got the pitch set right, uh, that that that'll help see those stars. True. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit and talk about the origin story of Julia Rocket Sheehan. Where'd, where'd you grow up? What kinds of sports and activities were you involved in as a kid? And how did the uh, outdoor through hiking cult rope you in? <laughs> yeah, it's like they knock on your door and like, hey, ma'am, do you have a moment to talk about your Lord and Savior through hiking? Um, <laughs> so... As a child, I was very active. We lived in like a suburban, rural, forested like lot in my in my house. We were in the woods constantly. We camped a ton as children. We were always going on different camping trips multiple times a year. So growing up, you kind of lose sight of that. And I was in I was a nurse working in Pittsburgh because I'm from Pennsylvania. And I just realized, man, like I'm meeting people that are my age that have terminal illnesses. And I'm I realized that if I were to wake up tomorrow and have that terminal illness, like I would not be happy with the way I've lived my life. And I'm like, I don't want to live in this like bubble of like jobs and 401ks and pick a white fence and, you know, the house and, and all this. So I just kind of started looking at different avenues and I was just scrolling through social media and I saw a big hairy dude with a backpack on. And I was like, who, what is this? And the rest is complete history. I was on trail within five months of discovering through hiking. 
And what what was his trail name? Oh, yeah, people might know him. His name his name is Jabba. He's maybe you know someone in the hiking industry that people know of. Jabba. Okay. Yeah, the real hiking Viking. So um, he's actually from Pennsylvania, and I personally we met, and he convinced me to through hike. So I owe it all to him, I suppose. Now I have I have reached out to the hiking Viking. And have not heard back. I've reached out a couple of times. So maybe, are you okay with me dropping the name Rocket in my next uh, outreach to him? I don't know if that will help because he is a man that sails his own ship. But you can drop you can drop my name and a, tell him that there's a six pack of PBR too. You know, you never know. You sometimes you have to bribe him with treats. Nice, nice, <laughs> good, good tip. Thank you. Now you say you, you grew up you grew up in Pennsylvania. I did, yeah. Okay, and so I'm always curious to hear of the moment when the long trail first entered uh, people's consciousness. And so do you remember the moment where you, you realized that there was such a thing as the AT, a trail from, from Georgia all the way to Maine, 2,200 plus miles, and people were, were actually doing this? So my sister actually introduced me to the AT. So when I first moved home in 2018, my sister, we were, we were getting back into like taking her kids camping and stuff. So we were like looking at things we could do. And she said, you know, there's people that go on like multiple day backpacking trips. And I'm like, that sounds terrible. I absolutely would never want to do that. She's like, yeah, there's this trail and it comes through our state. It's on the Eastern side and it's called the Appalachian trail. I'm like, whatever. I don't, I don't really care. Like that sounds horrible. I would never want to go live in the woods with a backpack. Um, you know, and little did I know within 12 months I would be doing that. Um, so yeah, she kind of brought it up and I thought, well, maybe we'll go for like a weekend, some weekend with the kids. And I just kind of pushed it off for the, until I kind of discovered it through my own channels. Okay. So how, how did, how I'm interested to hear about that evolution of, of that sounds terrible to hiking the AT 12 months later. How did that happen? Most of my ideas either start out as great ideas that end up being terrible or sound like terrible ideas and end up being amazing. Um, for instance, nursing school had no desire to ever be a nurse. A friend of mine talked about wanting to go and I was kind of sick of my job. And I have the GI Bill because I'm a veteran and I thought like, I don't really want to work right now. So why don't I just go to nursing school with you on a whim and it ended up being an amazing opportunity. So sometimes I, I just have to get, make my own path to that. Um, experience. So I don't know. I just, it sounded like a bad idea because I hadn't really fully immersed myself in like trying to get outdoors again. So once that happened, it just kind of was a snowball rolling downhill. Okay. And let's talk about your military service. What, what, uh, what did that entail? Which branch of the service were you in and where were you stationed? Yeah, I joined the United States Air Force active duty in like, I think I left right after 4th of July in 2008. So I was 19. Um, I ended up getting stationed in Spokane, Washington, which is an amazing outdoor recreation location. Um, and I was there for three years. Then I was relocated to Southern California for three years. And uh, I was an airplane mechanic on a flying gas station. And uh, I ended up moving to Iowa afterwards to be closer to my sister, who moved to Iowa recently before I got out. Okay. And is that where, where that's where you're calling in from now is Iowa? No, so I actually moved home from Iowa back to Pittsburgh. My, I can't stay in one place for too long. So I just moved, I moved back to Pittsburgh in 2018. Um, currently, I'm calling from Somerset, Pennsylvania, which is like the smallest, littlest rural town in southwestern central Pennsylvania. 
Got it. Got it. And do the airplane mechanic skills translate to the trail in any, any way, shape or form? I can wield a wrench or a hammer. Um, I think it helped me learn how to critically think because, you know, I wasn't normally like, you know, maintenance oriented. So I, you know, I can change oil in a car. I can change the brakes and tires on any airplane probably out there. Um, and I think it just helped me like think critical and like thinking through problems in a different way. So in some ways. Now, just to clarify, you don't bring a, a wrench or a hammer on the trail, do you? That seems like an extra, <laughs> extra weight. I do not. That does not go towards my base weight. <laughs> smart, smart. Okay. And so you said you're also a nurse, <clears throat> excuse me, a nurse now, huh? I'm, yeah, technically I have a nursing license still, even though I, I don't plan on going back to nursing for a few more years till after I'm done with all the trails that I want to hike. Okay. And do you have a, a specialty? What, what area of, of medicine are you involved in? Or would you yeah, like to I'm, an, I'm an emergency medicine nurse. So the, um, the year of COVID, I started working in an emergency department and absolutely loved it and don't really see myself doing any other type of nursing for a while. Um, originally was a post-operative neurosurgical nurse, so brain tumors and cancers and stuff and people who had just had like really large brain surgeries. And then we moved to the emergency medicine. So a lot of really heavy stuff, but really rewarding and certainly. And what is the traffic like in the emergency room where you were, were a nurse? Was it fast and furious? I mean, there's a lot of, yeah. lot of stuff, all kinds of stuff. In downtown Pittsburgh, yeah, you're, we're seeing hundreds and hundreds of people a day. I mean, there, I could go through between 10 and 30 patients in a 12-hour shift that I'm personally caring for myself. So it's just very fast-paced, very high volume and frequency. Wow. So my daughter, my oldest daughter is a nurse, and she went the labor and delivery route. Although she didn't put that down as her top three choices. And she went on this, this huge interview where they were hiring uh, nurses and they had, they had people from every department and they asked, asked her to put down her top three. And she was, you know, emergency room trauma nurse, you know, she wanted to be in the thick of it. And uh, she was actually contacted by the labor and delivery, I think charge mm -hmm. nurse, head nurse, and said, you know, you, I know you didn't put this down as one of your choices, but I think you'd be very good at it. And so she's been doing that for the past uh, two, three years, and is really enjoying it. Sometimes you just have to be told what you, I mean, labor and delivery, I personally don't know if I could ever deal with newborn babies, although they are squishy and adorable. Um, but I think there's a, there's a type of nursing for all nurses. And that makes me really happy that she found a, a realm that she, that makes her happy. So that's awesome. Yeah. We have to tell her at dinner not to talk about work though. Yeah. And a lot of the things that nurses see and, and can talk about hiker related, because we always have, you know, the, the bodily functions talk, but maybe around the normal dinner table, uh, hikers and nurses, we, we tend to push it, push the envelope. Absolutely. All right. Let's get, let's get down to your hiking resume. So prior to the Appalachian trail in 2019, had you done any significant, uh, multi-day long distance hikes? Nope, <laughs> not a single one. The AT, my first night on Springer Mountain was my first night backpacking. Wow, that's incredible. I've, I've talked to just a, a very few number of people who have decided to go whole hog and have their first overnight experience on, on a long trail. Yeah, and uh, it somehow paid off for me because now I'm absolutely addicted to the life of through hiking. So it worked. <laughs> It worked. And did, what kind of training did you do leading up to the AT? I originally started running um, just to try to get myself in shape. And I gave myself IT band syndrome. 
So for like two months before I left for the trail, I just ate Reese's cups and watched movies <laughs> and just, I don't know. I think I don't really go into, I feel like every time I train, I end up hurting myself prior. So I just go in and I take it at my own pace. Um, through hiking isn't like an Olympic sport that I know of. It should be, maybe it could be. Um, so for me, I think like you don't need to train. It's definitely more helpful. Um, and I try, try to stay active when I'm home. Um, but I didn't do any training, just ate a lot of Reese's cups. That's an atypical training program for a long hike. Uh, lots of Reese's yeah. cups and watching TV. I'm going to have to give that I a try. I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't recommend my process. It worked for me, um, but I wouldn't recommend it. And how much research did you do on the trail itself and gear, that kind of stuff? How long did it take you to assemble the gear? Well, I had two full gear setups. I purchased one that was like solely through REI. And then I started learning about like, lighter pack websites, Reddit forums, YouTube channels. And I realized that my pack, like all the stuff I had selected was like ancient old stuff. Like we could, you could sub it out for something much lighter. So I originally had like a 75 liter Gregory pack, which is a great pack. Um, I had like a six pound tent. Um, I had a really heavy sleeping bag that had a really low rating. Um, so I ended up revamping 90% of that gear list and making a whole new gear list. And I, I was pretty obsessed with my gear list for like two months every day going into the AT. So um, I did a lot of gear research, but not so much like of the trail. I wanted to be surprised. And through the entire trail, I never knew what to expect because I hadn't seen any pictures, hadn't really watched too many vlogs or anything. So like when you went into the Smokies or we went into, you know, the Grayson Highlands, it was a completely new experience to me. So I love that I didn't do too much research. Okay. That's went into a kind of blind, didn't have a whole lot of uh, expectations. <laughs> nope. And uh, I wouldn't recommend it again. I'm going to say that, but it did work for me. So I, I try to live my life. Like even on the next long trail I'm doing, I have the first resupply planned and then nothing else. I'll wait. Once I get to that first resupply, then I can plan the next. Um, I try not to overthink too much because then that just gets me in more trouble. And did you go in, into this with uh, a partner or some friends who agreed, hey, this is, a, this is a great idea. Let's hike from Georgia to Maine and do this together. I had linked up with two women that I had met through like different resources online um, that we were all planning on starting the same day. Those two women, they had done much more research than me. So I probably owe my early success to them because I just kind of rode their coattail and whatever they did, I was like, I'm going to do that too. And it ended up being very helpful. So um, my friend Aspen and my friend Binks, um, we all met and it was just like a trio of chicks just out trying to figure it out together. And did you have a, uh, a, a group name, a family name? Uh, what were, we were jam. Uh, we made like the night of Amicalola Falls um, Lodge. We created like the jam girls. So Julia, Allie, Melissa is our non-trail names. So we just called ourselves the jam girls and then, um, yeah, we just kind of, we were just having a blast, just the three of us and kind of just trying to figure it out as women together. And did you, were you able to hike with them the entire way? Um, Bink split off to hike with some younger fellas that were more like her pace. We were starting off a lot slower and she was, she was much younger than us. So she was like ready to go. And I see, I hiked with her later on in the trail. I linked back up with her and then I hiked with Aspen for like five or 600 miles. Um, before I kind of, we kind of just made our own decisions and went our own way. So, but I was supposed to hike the long trail with um, Banks, Melissa this year, but 
there were, I had some um, personal things going on that I couldn't get away um, until just now that I'm leaving in a few days. So. Okay. And what did, what did your family think about this adventure, this five, four or five months, four or five month adventure, 2200 miles uh, off on your own there? They had a money bet going on how quickly I would quit and happy to, to, you know, prove all of them wrong. Um, I think my lowest amount of days was my sister was convinced I would quit in 10 days uh, because she knew a guy who would quit in 10 days, like from some other guy who was much more outdoorsy than I. And then my mom had me banged for at least halfway. So I proved everyone wrong. That's, that's, that's fuel to the fire, right? I mean, mm-hmm. people betting against you. They do it as a joke because I'm, I'm the kind of person that I don't really commit to a lot of things in my life or I'll commit and then I'll be like, oh, wait, you know, I probably should have thought this through, which, you know, as we're already learning in this interview, I don't always think things through. Um, so they weren't wrong, but it also made me like more competitive of like, I at least have to be prove them wrong. But then I ended up really loving it. So it wasn't really a co- like competition with them. Um, but they obviously supported me, sent me resupply boxes, snacks, um, whatever I needed. They were very, very supportive. So after the initial joke of how quickly I would quit, they were 100% on board with it. And when you, when you embarked on the AT, did you already have in your mind that if this went well, we're going to do another long trail or maybe all three? Absolutely. Yep. So I know that you're going to do the CDT uh, in a week. Well, you're not going to yep. do it in a week. You're going to leave in a week and, <laughs> yeah. and knock that out. Um, so when is the PCT? If I can swing it, so I'll be going Sobo, so I won't have as much time to come home and save money. But if I can swing it, I'll be going northbound next spring. Okay, 2022. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. Very good. Now, I know you didn't do a lot of preparation for the AT, but you had to have some expectation of what you might be exposed to out there, what, what some of the challenges might be. I, I thought it was going to be this big, fun, romantic like it's just walking kind of thing. And I was rudely reminded early on that it is very uncomfortable. And I think we're still seeing because it's very glamorized online. And I was totally immersed in that glamorization. Like it looks like it's so rewarding and spiritual and emotional. And it was all of those things, but it was also just a swift kick in the butt. Um, so I was expecting just like lounging days in the sun and swimming in alpine lakes and you know, just having a good old time when, yeah, you have those, uh, but it's actually, it can be very grueling and physically demanding. The rain, I, to this very day, if I, if the forecast is calling for multiple days of rain, I will zero, double zero, triple zero. I don't care. I earned my cred from the AT that I don't have to do that anymore. Um, but yeah, your feet always hurt. Your knees and back are always sore. Um, you're always hungry and tired. So, you know, I wasn't expecting all of that. But other than that, it's a great time. Other than that, it's the best thing. Well, even with that, it's the best thing you'll ever do. That's right. And what's, uh, when did reality set in? Which day? Day one? <laughs> day one was just like, oh, it's, we're having so much fun. We're all completely underprepared. And then I think, I mean, it was before we got to Hiawassee, my face had started swelling overnight from either the down, the sodium, the cold weather. And by the time we got to like miles 60 or 70, I was convinced that the trail was trying to just kill me. My lips were chapped and and bleeding. My face was swollen every morning. I could barely see. Um, I had insane heartburn from just eating the like processed and 
preservatives and all the food that I normally don't eat. Um, and I thought probably around that point that it was like, okay, I'm probably going to be one of those people that quits early on. Um, so yeah, within the first week, it was a big reality check. And what was, what was the first night? Like, um, I know it's, it's sleeping on the trail is always a problem for me. I always, I always, mm-hmm. the first, the first few nights, I always, it's tough getting to sleep. And so I taught, do a lot of tossing yeah. and turning. How, how was it for you that first time? Since this is your first overnight backpacking experience. Yeah. Well, in March, it gets dark around like six, like five to 6 PM still, I think if I'm, if I'm not mistaken or whatever time, by the time it had gotten dark, we were already in our tents. And I remember I take melatonin um, and I've been taking melatonin as a nurse with a rotating schedule. So for me, um, I take melatonin and I, it works hundred percent of the time, every time. Um, so I take melatonin and I had a beautiful 12 hours of sleep. And I remember waking up thinking like, wow, this is, amazing but then as the trail goes we all know that I still have trouble fully sleeping because you're like laying down for like 12 or so hours but how much are you really sleeping um so that was also a challenge like learning how to actually sleep for 12 hours yeah biggest biggest concern biggest worry uh, before taking on the trail aside from quitting and looking like a big loser which no offense if anyone's quit but I had a lot of people already already banking on me failing um, was definitely like falling and breaking my leg or getting like a really bad injury um, or, you know, no one liking me. <laughs> I hear from a lot of people that bodily functions are uh, one of the biggest worries as before they set out. Hmm. I, you know, I've never been like, my family were very open. So for me, I never, it's like, I'm going to have to dig a cat hole. So just get it out of the way. And then I learned a really great process. And that for me, it just, you know, if someone catches you with your pants down, I mean, we're all human. We all, most of us have bodily functions that are identical. Some of us have other medical challenges, but everybody poops in one way or another. Everybody pees. So I think we should just erase the stigma of if you see someone pooping in the woods, like you poop in the woods too. So I don't, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. I think we've all had that moment where we think we're off the trail and yet the trail kind of (laughs) bends back around and you're like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? (laughs) I wave to like a family of five with like kids and dogs with my pants around my knees. Like, hi, just keep, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So what was the, what was the start date, the end date of your AT hike and what was your average mileage? March 10th, August 27th. And I took like 30 zero days. So if I, if I just did the days that I spent hiking, which was 172 divided by 2,193 or whatever, um, it was like an average of 13 to 14 miles a day, which isn't impressive, but I got the job done. That's right. I mean, 2,200 miles Mm -hmm. in the books. Very good. What was your longest day? The longest day I did on the AT was 27 miles. Um, and up until I was on the AZT, that was the longest mileage I'd ever done. Um, I've since then done a 30, but nothing above that. I don't, my little legs get tired. That's right. Yeah, I was just looking at my notes and I realized that I forgot to put in the, the Arizona trail. I do want to talk about that. When did, when was the AZT? So I can get it in chronological order here. Yeah, I left for that. Um, I started February 17th of this year and I finished April 7th. So it was 50 days of Arizona beauty. Okay. All right. Well, we'll go back to that in just a sec. What's, what stories, 
What, uh, what neat events or memorable events do you have from the, from the Appalachian Trail? There's so many. It's hard to just pick out a few. Um, I met an um, Army pilot who had hiked the year before, and we became fast friends. I met him in the Shenandoahs. He lived in Boiling Springs. So when I got there, we linked up and he did some trail magic. And we just developed like a friendship over like he would message me like, hey, if I'm correct, you're probably around this area. Like this is what this was my experience on the trail. And he actually offered to had a personal six seater airplane and he flew up and flew us flew us home from um, Millinocket after we summited. So that was probably the coolest, most unique experience, I think. I don't know anyone else that had a friend fly up in their own airplane <laughs> to bring um, me and a few friends home, but it was absolutely wonderful because he flew over the, Air, the Appalachian Trail. And so we got to see it from the sky after we had just hiked it. So it was really, really wonderful. That is cool. That's epic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, epic. Epic, yeah. And uh, any, uh, any uh-oh moments out there? Any times where you thought, you know what? What have I gotten myself into? How, how am I gonna get myself out of this? You know, pretty much every day I kept thinking like, what did I sign up for? Um, you know, and half the time you're 10 miles from the nearest road and you think, okay, but when I get to that road, I'm definitely quitting. And when you get there, you know, there's like a Gatorade and you're like, okay, I'm not going to quit. But um, there were some days in Pennsylvania where it rained for the 15 days we were in PA, it rained at some point every day. Um, and we were falling and hurting, you know, cutting ourselves on those rocks. And that was when I kind of decided that like, it's a lot. And that was when I kind of decided that, you know, I don't know if I really love this, you know, it's much more painful and challenging um, on slick wet rocks, but we've survived. Okay. And I know there's shelters along the AT. Did you spend each of your nights in a shelter or did you camp outside the shelter or in between shelters? How did that work out for you? Um, I generally tried to go to shelter areas because of community, fire rings, um, sometimes bear hang pools, and water sources. Um, I only slept inside a shelter probably under seven times just because of snoring and mosquitoes and mice. I generally slept in shelter areas with my tent. Um, never cowboy camped on the AT, actually. Um, but yeah, I've only, I only stealth camped totally alone two nights on the entire trail where I was at like a stealth site away from everyone else. And those are my two best nights of sleep though. So maybe that means something. Okay. Now the AT is very close to a number of cities and towns along its length. Is it, uh, was it crowded in 2019? Were there a lot of people on the trail? I think the year we hiked, it was like the highest number of hikers um, to date. I think like 4,500 to 5,000 people had registered through the ATC. So we were like the biggest class um, and a large percentage of us, I think over a thousand people completed the trail, making it one of the most successful classes. So I'm very proud to be part of those badasses that, you know, we kind of raised the percentage of people that finished. Very good. Any, any type two fun out there? Every day, <laughs> every day. <laughs> you know, I had not heard of the different types of fun until about, a month ago when I did an interview with uh, Tayson Whitaker and he talked mm -hmm. about the, the three types of fun and uh, it totally makes sense. But I, you know, I, I now asked that question and people seem very familiar with that. So I, I wonder where I was that, you know, I never, I was not familiar with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely there. Glad you learned about it though. <laughs> <laughs> and I had an interview with Ginger Balls uh, a couple weeks ago and he's a triple crown hiker. Mm -hmm. 
Have you, are you aware of him or do you know him? Um, I just, I think I was just like scrolling through social media and kind of learned of him recently. There's so many wonderful people in our community. It's, it's hard to like link up with all of them. Yeah, he's, he's quite a character. He just finished the Hey Duke Trail, which he classifies as type four fun. Yeah, a lot of, a couple people I met on the AZT just finished the um, Hey Duke and it looks stunning, but I also heard you have to like bury your own food like months in advance. So I don't know about all that. Yeah, and actually he's going to correct me because I know he's, he lists, he's a frequent listener. It wasn't the Hey Duke that was type four fun. We were talking about the Barkley Marathons and he said that would be type four fun, so. Uh, y- yeah, um, I just watched, the, what is it, the race that eats its young on Netflix or YouTube. Yeah. Um, I like cried watching that from the guy that came in the wrong direction and he was going the wrong way. And I just thought, no, like, what the hell? And he like, I just remember crying. Like this guy deserved that dang, whatever. I don't know, whatever um, the guy gives out, but he, oh, it was touching. <laughs> yeah. My, my listeners know that I'm borderline, maybe not borderline. I'm obsessed with the Berkeley marathons. I actually have had the chance to talk to three people who have participated in the Berkeley marathons. And these people are top notch athletes. I mean, just mm-hmm. world-class trail runners, adventurers, and the Berkeley just eats them up. And the two documentaries, yeah. it's, it's uh, kind of, kind of telling that the two documentaries, the two popular ones are, you know, the race that eats its young or where dreams go to die. I don't maybe that, I can't remember which one is the one that I watched. The one where the guy comes in the wrong direction. Where dreams go to die is the story story of Gary Robbins in his two year quest to. Yes, that's the one the I watched. Yes, yeah, and that's the one. Okay. Uh, yeah, and he comes in the wrong direction at the end, and I'm like crying. And but the other guy who like almost died the year before actually finished. Like, right. oh, it was amazing. So yeah. good. So good. I could uh, never compete. I'm not. I'm not physically at that level, but I would love to do like at one tenth size version of that called like the baby Barkley maybe where like normal people like me can go out and try to scavenge hunt for like these book pages and stuff. That would be. So I talked to somebody who actually did a single loop on the Barkley as part of like a summer camp event uh, or training yeah. event. And so that, that exists. It's, it, I, don't, I don't know if it's called the baby Barkley, but there is a shorter version <laughs> of that where you get, you get a lap in. So might want to look into I that. Would, I mean, once you're uh, a triple crowner, yeah. Once you're a triple crowner, I mean, what's next? You got to, you got to up it a little bit. Uh, you know, I don't know. National Park Tour, Europe. There's so many. Scotland. I don't know. We'll see. How about the uh, Mont, Mont du Blanc? Oh, actually, Tour de Mont Blanc. Yes. Yeah, that looks amazing. And it looks yeah. like it's relatively like just fun, like just type one fun where it's just fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would love to do that. Or... Um, you know, what was the other one? The Camino would be something I would do later on, just mm-hmm. have fun, but um, maybe go to Nepal. I think that would be amazing. A friend of mine was in Nepal and sent, showed me like his YouTube video. And I thought like, why am I in the United States? I got it. I got to go. I got to go somewhere else. But for now, I'm very happy with the three trails we have. Yeah. A couple things. I just talked to Dina Zabaldo a few episodes ago. She was the 2013 World Guide Award winner. And I, I, I knew she had won the award, but I didn't realize that the award only goes to one person. So she was the single person on the oh. planet that year that, that uh, got that award for her job um, leading treks in Nepal. And so it's wow. a great conversation about her, her time in the Peace Corps and then after the Peace Corps, staying there and, and, and guiding groups uh, up to Everest Base Camp and around there. She, I mean, she never went to the top of Everest, but you know, she spent a lot of time at 18, 20,000 feet, which is remarkable 
that just sounds like it gives you a headache. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she told some stories about uh, people in in distress at that altitude. It's it's a, it yeah. can be scary. Absolutely, absolutely. That that sounds amazing, though. I want to meet her. <laughs> <laughs> and just for our listeners out there who are wondering, what what is type four fun? What's type two fun? So type one fun is uh, you're having fun while you do it, but you don't really talk about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Type two fun, as I understand it, is you're not having fun when it happens, but boy, you like to talk about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Type three fun, which I would debate whether or not it's fun, is you're not having fun doing it and you're not having fun talking about it. But it's like you, you laugh because it's so horrifying. You're like, oh, this, we did this and I almost died. Ha ha. Yeah. And type four fun, according to Ginger Balls, is I'm embarrassed to say that I even considered doing this. So. Or you could just say type four, type, type four fun is the bar. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Enough said. It's self-explanatory. Yeah. Not Done. fun at all. Not fun to talk about. Absolutely horrifying, traumatizing. And you're glad you survived it. <laughs> That's right. Now, before we leave the AT, can you, can you take a look at that 2200 mile journey and come up with a, a top five moments from mm-hmm. the trail? Okay. Top one, Summit in Katahdin. Beautiful peak. Baxter Peak is so stunning. Go on a good day. Wait for a good day. Okay, um, Those, hang, on, was, hang on, hang on before you go to two. I have to ask, okay, at okay. the end of this long journey, epic journey, that people had, you know, betting against you, you're not going to make it. As you are climbing up Katahdin, what are some of the thoughts and emotions running through your mind? <laughs> um, the guy that told me I would quit and bland, I just wanted to say, F you, because I made it. I think he made it too, so good for him. Um, was, holy shit, I've been out here for five and a half months. Uh, what am I going to do after this? And I can't wait to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> and did post-trail depression set in? Oh, hell yeah. I cried for like six months. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. All right. That was number one. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Number two would be like the whole state of Maine like was just so beautiful. And I don't, I can't, ex- I can't remember exactly. I was coming out of a shelter. And it's a, it's a picture on my Instagram because I came out of the shelter and I was, I got up and I, the, the forest opened and there was just a view. And I just remember I sat on a rock and I had service. So I called my mom and I was just like, mom, I'm sitting in one of the prettiest places of my life. The sun is rising. And I just want to tell you that I love you. And it was just, this day is like seared into my mind. These just like big granite slabs and like these big forests. And there was Alpine Lake out, you know, on all directions. And I just sat there for like 30 minutes as my trail family like walked past. And I'm like, you guys go, I'm, I'm sitting here for the morning. And it was just a really special moment that I got to like be by myself and talk to my mom. So that would be two. Okay. Um, three is hands down the Grayson Highland ponies. Cause they are adorable. Um, four would be the time I almost died on the Roan Highlands because that's a very epic story. Um, and then five would be making it to Neil Gap on day four, because that meant that like we were 25% of people generally quit there and we hiked out of there. And that was a really special moment because it meant that like, I was actually, you know, I was in the 75 percentile of people that don't quit at that point. So I was very proud of myself. Very good. Now, Rocket, do you remember earlier on in the interview when I said, Hey, do you have any stories from the AT? Mm-hmm. And somehow this Roan Highlands almost dying story didn't didn't come up. <laughs> that that's why I asked the question. What, what, what you have to tell us the story. What's what happened there? So we heard there was weather. Um, 
coming and we're like, yeah, it's just some rain. You know, we've been in rain and not to mention my food bag got tangled with two other food bags um, with two of my other family members who their food bag broke. So we're like, five of us are climbing this tree, getting it out. So we're like, okay, we're already running behind for the day. We try to beat the storm. We go up and over Roan Mountain. Everything's fine, but we feel the rain. So we come down Roan Mountain and me and one of my trail members, PYT, his name is Dave. He and I cross the street at Carver Gap and we're like, all right, as soon as we like crest onto the street, 70 mile an hour wind gusts are just pushing us back. And we're like, oh, crap. Like we have to get to that shelter. Like there was, we were at the parking lot, not a single car, nothing was available for us to just escape. So we're like, we have to keep going. So we're climbing up the balls, which are 100% exposed. Um, and it's just wind, rain. And I'm talking like rain that is pushing me down. I'm like crawling on the ground. The trail is a two foot deep, muddy river of freezing cold water. And me and PYT, like he's like looking back cause I'm like getting thrown around. Cause I'm like little and you know, apparently I'm a good windbreak and it's flaring me around. I'm like falling on the ground and we're just like, we just got to run. We got to get up. We're climbing up these balls because we know the big red barn is at the top. So we're like, we just have to get there. It'll keep us safe. So as we're like running and we're just like getting thrashed around, we pick up my friend Biscuits who's hiding under a, a bush with a, his umbrella. Like, I don't know what to do. We find him. Then further up, we find our friend Nash who's also like hunkered down beneath a bush. Like, I don't, what do we do? So I'm like, let's go together. We'll like link up. And as we're climbing up in this water, there's hail, it's disgusting wind. And we start seeing this barefoot, like a, like a, like a bare footprint, like a human's foot that doesn't have a shoe on it. And it's in the mud of bare footprint. We're like, what is going on? Is this person okay? So we, you know, finally make it to the over mountain shelter, which is the big red barn. And the guy, this guy that we know, Tiffany, his shoe broke and he was hiking barefoot in the store. And it was just like this, the worst weather we'd experienced where I, at one point I thought if this wind knocks me down and these guys don't see me, like I could die from exposure. Um, so that was the closest that I probably came to dying. <laughs> and for our, our listeners out there who are not watching this on YouTube, she acted that entire story out. <laughs> Lots of hand gestures and body motions to, to simulate the wind and, and how she was being you know pushed around. It was, that was very entertaining. Thank you, Rocket. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And I can't imagine that while you're in the middle of all that, you have the presence of mind to recognize a bare, B-A-R-E, a bare footprint, as opposed mm-hmm. to a, a, a sneaker track or a trail runner track. Yeah. So you picked that out and said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about this guy. That's, that's very thoughtful. He was fine. Yeah. He finished the whole trail too. So good on him. <laughs> very good. Now, last thing before we leave the AT and take a quick break, what would... Katahdin, Mount Katahdin rocket, whisper in the ear of Springer Mountain rocket? Ooh, it would probably be like, try to enjoy every single minute. Don't worry about the miles, just really, really immerse yourself in being happy. Okay. It's almost, that's a borderline pro tip right there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear about uh, some of our hikes in 2020 and, of course, the Arizona Trail and the upcoming CDT. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. 
Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. The John Freakin' Meerpot is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence-inspiring education that empowers outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance and durability enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident in. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultralight. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like... My creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We're talking to Rocket. And so that was a, a big year, 2019. You covered the AT. You were successful, victorious. Uh, thumb in your nose at all those naysayers out there. And how did you stay connected to the trail in 2020? 2020 was a tough year with everything going on. It was really nice because I had a good foundation of people that I met. You meet hundreds and hundreds of people that are hiking around you and that connects you to other people. And so, you know, especially during the pandemic where you have nothing to do, you can't even leave your house for, you know, a few months. Um, I just really immersed myself in watching other people's blogs connecting with the community, um, just, you know, outreaching as far as like a lot of inclusivity and stuff like that started coming to light in 2020. So talking with people about how to like be an ally for um, like people of color and how to like help them. Um, and it really connected me with a lot of really cool people. Um, and then I ended up towards the end of the year, I did a solo hike, my first one ever, um, and ended up getting to plan a really cool, safely planned trip with some other girls that I knew from online. Okay. And which trail did you do the solo hike on? So this one was kind of special to me. And the reason why I didn't want to do it um, until I could do the whole thing was because it was in my backyard. My parents live a few minutes from the Laurel Highlands hiking trail. It's a 75 mile trail through like a lot, all of our state parks that are out here on this side of the state of Pennsylvania. 
Um, and in October, I believe early October, I um, completed that hike in three and a half days. Oh, three and a half days, 75 miles. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's a good clip. Yeah. yeah I, my first day I did six miles and I was gassed. And then the second day I was like, okay, like, I'm gonna just do, you know, you have to sleep in the shelter areas. So my mom called me like halfway through the day and was like, Hey, if you can make it to this road, I'll come pick you up and I'll give you a seafood Alfredo dinner. So I did like 26 or 27 miles to that road for a hot dinner. Um, and I got to sleep in my bed. So that was really nice. Um, and then the next day she said, if you do another 25 miles, I'll pick you up for ice cream. So of course I did another 25 mile day and I got to have ice cream. Boy, the incentives. Very nice. Way to go, mom. Yep. She was my little crew for my little uh, Laurel Highlands adventure. And is that a popular trail? I mean, is it crowded? I would say in Pennsylvania, it's probably the most popular trail out in this area because it's a great length. It's very easy terrain. The first, depending on which direction, all the elevation is in the first or the last six miles, depending on which direction. Um, I did it the hard way, all the hard stuff first. Um, it's very popular, but when I did it, um, I only saw one other human on the entire trail. And that was actually, I really enjoyed that because it was just me, my thoughts, you know, the trail, and it was really special. Yeah. So take us through that. I mean, what, how was that hiking alone? What, what, I know when, when people are out there without, um, close proximity to a lot of people and having conversation. I mean, you, you spent a lot of time in your head. Were you, were you working on things out there or what? Yeah, I think the first few days, like the first day or so, I was just, I always try to like, when I start a through hike or any type of like adventure, I always try to get my head right first and like spend the first few days just like getting my brain kind of recalibrated to the way I live on trail. And then of course, you know, I do the music and podcasts and audiobooks. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is just like, hey, like, let's process this year. It's been rough. Not only did we have a global pandemic, but, you know, everyone else has their personal problems in their world. So it was a lot of like little micro meltdowns for me over 2020. And just, just getting to be on trail at like Rocket got to kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm still here. You know, we're, we're still doing this. So it was really, it was really nice. And being alone kind of sucked. But, um, you know, my mom was there at the end of the day with, you know, snacks and treats. So that really made up for it. If you haven't seen this YouTube video called Why, and then in parentheses, Do I Hike? Why Do mm -hmm. I Hike? By Nikola Horvat, also goes by the trail name Tesla. Uh, he does a very good of kind of taking that whole topic on. And he talks about not only are we dealing with the outside wilderness, um, but we also deal with the inner wilderness of our mind when we're out there, which is a, a very interesting concept. Wow, that's... That is amazing. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. And, and I asked the question, of course, you know, which is a more difficult wilderness to, to navigate. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's the inner, the inner wilderness. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's a thick, thick forest. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We don't, we don't want to venture in there too often. And when you're on the trail <laughs> by yourself, alone with your thoughts, that's where you go. Yeah, but it also helps me think clearly. So in my normal life, when I'm anxious, sometimes if I just go outside and I stand in the forest, like all of those like intrusive, conflicting, like not good enough, you're stupid, like this isn't really what's going on thoughts, they like mellow down and it's like, oh, I can actually think clearly out here and maybe things aren't so bad or maybe I am overreacting or whatever. But I find nature helps me take a breath. 
Yeah. I think, I think nature puts things in perspective for us as well. So. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. And then you also had the chance to venture out West in 2020. Tell us about that. Yeah. So two women that I had met through social media, um, we linked up and we thought like, Hey, it's pretty, it's uh, numbers are down. It might be safe for us to link up and go hiking. So we picked a trail that would have no one else on it in November, which was the Oregon coast trail. Uh, so my friend, um, Becca, little Skittle and my friend Maggie, um, honey badger, we flew to Portland, Oregon. Um, I flew, I think they both, I think Maggie flew and then Becca drove cause she's from Tacoma. And then she picked us up and we drove to Lincoln, um, Oregon. And we went hiking in November in Oregon and it was so stunning and beautiful. Um, and I'd never been to Oregon like that before. So I'm like looking at apartments in Bend, you know, every couple of months, like when am I moving there? Yeah. You may have seen my reaction when you mentioned little Skittle. She is mm-hmm. a, a former guest on the podcast here. Yeah, she is. By the way, she is one of the most inspiring people. She, I don't think she knows how to judge people. She's the most kind, sweetest person. And I can't, I'm actually hiking with her on the CDT and hopefully some of her good juju like rubs off on me. <laughs> yeah, she was incredible. She talked about her time on the PCT. She hiked for a time with Ginger Balls and mm-hmm. part of some of the, some of the uh, Wounded Warrior Project there. Ginger Balls was not part of that, but he was hiking with them for a while and told us how, you know, that's how she got her, her uh, trail name. They tried to give her Rainbow Warrior, but she didn't think that since she didn't have military background, she didn't, she didn't want to take on that that trail name and they ended up mm-hmm. call, calling her little Skittle. So yeah, yeah, she was incredible. She was, she was great to talk to lots of great stories. Uh, really enjoyed her story about how she broke her fall with her face while she was crossing, oh, yeah. crossing a river. Oh yeah. That was rough. Yeah. Yeah. The pictures are pretty tough. Mm-hmm. And so how long is the Oregon, Oregon coast trail? Oh, okay. So I am not a good researcher as we've previously discussed. <laughs> it is either, <laughs> It's either close to 300 or 600 miles. I want to say it's in the realm of 500 or so. Okay. But I am, I am not the person to ask. <laughs> we only did about 75 miles of the Oregon Coast Trail, um, some which included like really long road walks where we hitched because, you know, it's winter and we didn't really care. Um, but holy buckets, if you have a chance to go out to Oregon and do some hiking along the ocean... Uh, the sunsets were enough to just have, like, we would just sit on the sand in the cold, in the wind and just watch the sunsets and just set up our tents on the beach. And it was amazing. Amazing. Holy buckets. Holy buckets. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Very good. Which brings us now to 2021. And earlier this year, you, I, uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. You, you took on the Arizona trail. And I I've, did, I've, yeah. there, there are a number of people that I've talked to that uh, have been out on the Arizona trail, including uh, Barney scout man. He took on the Arizona trail this year. Yeah. He actually reached out to me for advice, but I was on trail and it was really hard to like link up. We were going to have a phone call, but the fact that scout knows that I exist uh, is enough for me to die happy. <laughs> Very good. You know, he, he's said repeatedly that one of his um, greatest wishes or maybe I forget how he puts it. Happiest moments. What he's looking forward to the most is walking through an airport and seeing somebody sitting there reading his book, Journeys North. And yeah. so I think this is it's kind of a similar parallel here where mm-hmm. Barney, Barney Scout Man knows that Rocket exists and reached yeah, out to and her. We, 
we've literally shared words. We have spoken, we've had a convert. Well, we've had a text conversation through um, in, like just a messaging app, but I not only bought his book, but I bought the audible book just to support it. Oh my gosh. I cried so hard during that book. It is just buy it, read it. I don't care. I, I mean, it's amazing. It's not just his story. It's the story of an entire group of people. And I, I wish I would have been smart enough or creative enough to think of that because it was absolutely beautiful. So well done. And if you are listening to this episode right now and you're interested to hear more about Journeys North by Barney Scout Mann, you can listen to episode 45 of season one where I talk to him and we do an in-depth dive into that book. And it, you're right. It's an incredible book. After I, after I finished reading that book, I felt like I had a very good sense of life on the PCT and the multiple stories of various people that he told. And he did such a great job with it. You felt like he was inside their minds. It was great. Mm -hmm. It was like they were all telling their stories. It was so well done. So well done. Yeah. And so what, what he was looking to you for advice. So I had started the trail much earlier than most people do. So he had seen that I was on trail and was like, Hey, how's the water? How's the weather? Like any challenges you'd like to, you know, share with me so I can like pre-plan for that. Um, for us, we didn't have any water issues because we started so early. So for me, I, I was like, the water is great right now, um, but he was starting much later than I was. So he had probably water and heat concerns where we were having winter weather concerns, which was miserable. Um, but it was just really cool. I would told him, you know, things that he could look forward to. And we just had like a brief, you know, kind of messaging relationship, but I didn't have much to offer him because we were at a complete different like stage of the season. Okay. And did you go south to north or opposite? We went northbound. We started at the Mexican border. Um, most people that start in the spring go northbound and then in the fall, people go southbound. Okay. Is that a pre pretty even split? Do you think? Or you know, I think so. I yeah. think so. Because I, I think not everyone has the chance to go in the spring. And like, I don't know, I feel like people are able to get their affairs in order and like go in the south or go in the fall. Um, I definitely think I would do the Arizona trail again, honestly, um, in better weather. It was amazing. And I love the desert, love the desert. Okay. So what, what made it amazing rocket? Tell, tell us some of those amazing moments. Cactuses, like so many cactuses. <laughs> um, and it wasn't like the AT where it's just like up, down, up, down, up, down, roots, rocks, mud, roots, rocks, mud. It was kind of like nice meandering trail with a couple of massive climbs but I feel like at every moment there's mountains all around you or you're on a mountain and I just feel like there wasn't an ugly there wasn't an ugly spot like no matter no matter where I was there was always beauty um in the AT sure but there's some places on the AT where they might not be as stunning as other places but I, maybe because it was my second through hike too and I was just so thankful to be out there that I just I loved it and same gear has the AT? Did you make any adjustments? Um, I tried a new pack um, from Light AF, just trying to, you know, help support some other brands that I really like. Um, changed my pack, had some better tracking pools I got from Gossamer Gear. Um, other than that, pretty much the same. I switched from an inflatable sleeping pad to a foam because I slept on a cactus and popped my sleeping pad. Um, so it just made more sense to sleep on a foam, which I actually am now migrating away from the blow up sleeping pad because I sleep better, which I never thought I'd say this on the foam pad. Okay. Are you a back sleeper, stomach sleeper or side sleeper? I'm like a 
stomach slash side sleeper, but sometimes fall asleep on my back. I'm a very um, unpredictable sleeper, but generally I'm like a belly, arm up, like leg out kind of sleeper. Unpredictable. Why, why did I know that was going to come up? <laughs> <laughs> you can't pin me down. <laughs> <laughs> and so I only ask that because the foam pads, I know that people who are side sleepers complain about, you know, bottoming out with their hips. My, I was having that same issue with my blow up pad um, where I was still having like back and hip problems, but I found a way to sleep on my side on a foam pad where you just like rotate your hip out and you like, you have, I can't really do it without standing up, but you like rotate your hip a little bit and you drop your top knee onto the ground and it takes the pressure off your hip. I, I don't know for me, it works, but I can still sleep on my side very comfortably. Okay. Now the Arizona trail, did you do it with some friends you said, or are you doing that solo? I was going to do it solo. My friend Bacon, who I hiked on the AT with, he had messaged me like, Hey, let's do the AZT before I do the PCT. Cause I had also had a permit for the PCT, but friend had reached out to me about doing the CDT. So I had changed my plans to do the CDT, but we were supposed to do the AZT together. And then he didn't want to quit his job quite yet. Um, so I was going to go out alone when another amazing author, um, his name is Kyle Rorick. He wrote Lost in the Appalachian Trail. Amazing, a really, really detailed account of his through hike of the AT. He reached out to me and said like, Hey, I know you're doing the AZT. I'm going to do it too. Let's just start together. Um, and then he had two other um, friends of his that he knew they were going to start as well. So there was four of us that started and uh, we were quite a little family. Okay. And did the, the full length with those four, the four of um, you? So me, Kyle and I, we did the entire trail together, which mm -hmm. I've never done a whole trail with just one person. Um, love him. Uh, I think there was at times where, uh, you know, we became so, so close that like, we learned how to put each other's buttons, but all in all, I learned a lot from him. He is an amazing hiker. One of the strongest hikers I've ever met. Very intelligent. Um, and then the two other people that we hiked with, they like around mile 300 had decided that they had some other things that they wanted to do. So they kind of hopped off and did their own thing. Um, but we met another, we met a Marine veteran. Um, his name is Gabe and he hiked with us from like mile 150 to the very end as well. So the three of us hiked almost the entire trail together. And it was, they're like my brothers now. I love them. That's awesome. Now it's 700 miles, right? Arizona trail. Thereabouts. It is 789. So Seven, fairly, like, yeah, yeah, 800. Okay. Yep. So yep. by the time this year is done, if you're successful, you'll, you'll be close to 4,000 miles under those boots. Yeah. For the year. Yeah. So I'll be almost to like six, I'll be over 6,000 miles by the end of the year, which I never thought I could ever say I'd hike that many. Um, hopefully I'm successful, but life happens and injuries happen. And, you know, I could absolutely hate to CBT and I don't think I will, but, um, yeah, hopefully going for 6,000 plus miles by the end of the year, 6,000 plus this year. So what did I miss? No, so no, it'll be 4,000 this year, 6,000 total Got by it. the end of the year. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. I thought, oh my gosh, I missed some other long trail. She did. Oh, didn't you know I'm doing the CDT? <laughs> uh, I'm yo-yoing the CDT. <laughs> Now, what have you heard about the CDT? Uh, <laughs> what, what are you not looking I'm, for? I'm going to follow the trend here and say that I've done almost no research. Um, I, other than the wildlife being a bit more dangerous, um, I've heard that, you know, you're on exposed, like, um, above treeline mountains for much longer during the entire trail. So to, you know, make sure you have storm 
more storm aware um, clothing and um, better sunblock hats, stuff like that. Um, and it's my first time going Sobo. So I'll be finishing in more of the winter season. Um, but all I've heard is that it's beautiful and that it's a trail better to do Sobo than Nobo. So I'm excited for that because I know people that have done it both directions and they love the Sobo version much better. Um, so that's pretty much all I know. <laughs> and by going Sobo, I knew, I knew that little Skittle was doing it Sobo. So I, I knew mm -hmm. that uh, you're going that direction. You could start later in the yeah. year, right? So mm -hmm. get a little bit, little bit later start. And from my, what I've heard from uh, Ginger Balls about the CDT, he said if the CDT had been his first trail, his first long trail, he probably would have given up in New Mexico because it was, it was basic wayfinding with very poor water sources and lots of cow patties. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was not impressed with the, with the start, but for, good for him. It was, it was his third long trail and he was doing it to finish it off. So he had, he had uh, a lot of incentive to, to stick to it and, and, and knock it off. But it yeah. is a, it is a, the longest of the, of the three long trails, 3,100 miles, depending on which, yeah. which uh, route, there's lots of alternates with the CDT. So have you figured out uh, which, which of those alternates you'll be taking? Um, I don't know. I think there's going to be days where I've heard that I, for the Great Basin, I must go through the basin um, because you cross the Gila River like 400 times, but it's the most beautiful thing I'll ever see and I will cry which was somebody actually said that to me. Um, so other than that, I'm going to just kind of go with whatever my, the two girls I'm hiking with. I'm, I'm not really big on making plans. I'm just kind of down to do whatever, as long as it's not excruciating, like more difficult for no reason. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of just open and I don't know much about it. So I don't even know what I'd be missing. <laughs> so. <laughs> so a couple of former guests are, are out there right now on the, on the CDT. I've been following their paths. Um, on Instagram, Chris Carter, who mm -hmm. a couple of years ago did the Pacific Crest Trail with a couple of his buddies. He ended up being the only one of the three to finish. And he made a fantastic uh, documentary on it that uh, was just, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's it I have. really I have well done. It. To measure a mile, mm -hmm. to measure a mile. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And then also Ivy Tat. Are you familiar with Ivy Tat? Oh, I am familiar with him. Um, Beret. What does he say? You fuck yeah. sunshine. Don't mind my, <laughs> yeah. my curse words, but yeah, very love that he is so true to himself. That's all. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. He is, is very true to himself. He is my mom's favorite through hiker at this point. She is watching Ooh, all of his okay. YouTube videos. Yeah. So <laughs> your mom likes people that keep it real, huh? <laughs> she does. Yeah. <laughs> keep it real. Good for her. Yeah. Um, he'll be, yeah. He'll be triple crowner this year. Yeah. Chris Carter is actually going to be a triple crowner this year too, even though he did the PCT mm -hmm prior to the CDT, he is doing mm -hmm. the CDT northbound, and then he's going to do the AT southbound, right back to back. Whoa, good for him. Yeah, that's a lot of miles. <laughs> yeah, I know some people too. Uh, my friend Justin, his name is Two Taps. He is going Nobo. He'll be finishing his um, triple crown this year as well. So this is a good year for people polishing off that triple crown. Yes. And Maybe when you're done with the, with the triple crown, maybe you, you do what uh, Jeff legend Garmeyer did and do all three in the same year. Ooh, um, maybe <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I have that many miles in, in these little legs at one time, but um, I would, I would love the opportunity to try that. Uh, maybe we'll see how the other two trails go. That's approaching type four Berkeley marathon fun right there. 
Yeah, that's like um, the elite. That's like the people that I, you know, I'm not, I could never see myself on the same wavelength as them, but they're so inspiring. Uh, you fake it till you make it. I mean, you, you just put one foot in front of the other and keep doing it day after day. That's all you have to do. It's just walking, right? Just walking. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right. Hey, I'm inspired to do a, an impromptu top five list with you right now. Okay. And you're not, you're never, you would never guess what the top five list is going to be. But just okay. listening to you talk for the last uh, hour or so, you have brought up a lot of different names of some of your, your trail family and, and people, your associates out there on the trail. And so I'm going to try and pin you down here for top five trail names. Because you've, you, you've said some really nice ones okay. so far. <clears throat> All right. Number one, okay. Edward Shitterhand, class of 18 <laughs> on the AT. Um, That's great. Okay. Dude, amazing. Like she got poop on her hands and it was a woman. Um, let's see, who else do we have? My friend Bacon, I love this. I mean, it's, it kind of fits him because he's, he, I don't know. It was, it's very unique. I think I've never met another Bacon. I wrote Bacon um, down right here. Yeah, yeah. it's a unique. He, he's like my brother. He was my actual trail romance um, that I don't want to get too in deep in, in depth in because that's going in my book. So I didn't, I haven't really talked about it, but he was my little trail boyfriend. Um, and now we're like besties. And then let's see. So can I do a couple? Cause these, this couple has the best trail name duo. They're from my class of the AT class. Um, their name is Savage and Bruiser and they're a couple. They sound terrifying, but they're two of the nicest people I've ever met. Um, Savage just is very like New Jersey has like that tells it like it is. And Bruiser, she just is covered in bruises all the time. Got it. So that was like my favorite like couple. And then where are we at? Three? So four, um, I hiked with this guy from the UK named Dead Cat, which is kind of like gross, but it's actually the fuzzy thing on the microphone, like on a camera or like when you record stuff, like it's that fuzzy fur on the microphone to keep the wind noise down. Right. Um, and then, huh, I'm trying to think there's gotta be some other ones. Number five. Can I say rocket? <laughs> Cause I love my trail name. <laughs> Not rocket. The full trail name, Snot Rocket. Yeah, Snot Rocket. Yeah. Snot Rocket. Very good. That's great. You know, we, we met a, a pair uh, on our 2017 hike of the JMT. They were from Scotland and married couple, and they were Starsky and Hutch. Oh, that's cute. See, yeah. I got to get myself a real boyfriend, so maybe he can be like Rock. It could be like Rocket and NASA or something like that. Rocket. Now taking applications. <laughs> rocket Man. Yeah. Okay. I just got to find my man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Rocket, you know where we are? Uh, where are we? <laughs> we are at that time of the episode where I ask you for your pro tip inside of the week. What little secret can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even more epic? My pro tip. Well, there's so many. I'm such a professional as you've learned from this entire interview that I'm so prepared and just professional in all aspects. Yeah, I can, I I can probably say, guess what it's not going to be. It's not going to be, you know <laughs> what, folks, make sure you do your research and investigate yeah. before you go out there. Yeah, that's not my pro tip, although it should be, and I should live by that. But my pro tip is going to be just more simple. Um, uh, and I have like a mantra band that I've been wearing on my finger. It's like a, it has a um, just a little quote on it. And I try to live my life by this. And I remember my whole life, 
I always was like waiting for summer, waiting for the weekend, waiting for the day I could do this or that, or waiting for that vacation. And I realized you're missing valuable moments. So at the time you're trying to get to the next town or to the next terminus or to the next whatever. Um, but we always want to just enjoy the journey. And that's what my mantra band says. So instead of focusing on the destination, like in the moment, try to find something every day or every hour or every minute that you can just look around and be thankful for. And you will never have a bad day. Fantastic. Do you mind if I add an extra layer upon that? Yeah, sure. So when you are a kid, you are always looking forward. I'm going to expand this on to, to life, life in general. Ooh. Okay. When, when you are a kid, you're always looking forward. I can't wait till high school. I can't wait till I drive. I can't wait till I'm 18. I can't wait till I go to college. What's my life going to be like? You know, when am I going to get married? What's that going to look like? You know, what, what's my career going to be? You're always looking forward. And nobody ever tells you, except the John freaking Mirpod. Nobody ever tells you there comes a point in your life where you, all of a sudden you're not looking forward anymore. You're looking backward. You're looking mm-hmm. back at the good old days, those golden moments, you know, when we did this and how awesome was that? And it is a very difficult life skill to stay in the moment and enjoy the moment while it's happening and realize, realize that this is a moment I'm, I'm enjoying it right now. It's going to be gone. I'm going to be looking back on it someday, but I am enjoying this moment to the, the best of my ability. And that is a, a real skill that uh, brings some kind of meaning to your life. And you, it, you, it, you're, not, you're not looking forward. You're not looking backward. You're, you are set square right there in the moment. Absolutely. Perfectly said. Yes. Amazing. All right. Thank you. So there you have it. That's it. Episode 100 of the podcast is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Rocket. I want to thank her for joining us this week. Rocket, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Um, you can send carrier pigeons with snacks. Um, but no, I just do Instagram. It's at Julia Sheehan. And then on YouTube, it's just Julia Sheehan. Um, other than that, Hopefully I get to meet some of you on trail and we can do a fist bump and share some M&Ms. Okay. And speaking of snacks, is that your preferred snack? If they do send up by carrier pigeon, is it M&Ms? And would it be individual uh, Mike, or Mike with I, a bag? Mike and I and the family sized caramel M&Ms. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> family sized. Nice. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I want to come back to this because you mentioned it and I almost forgot. You said your book. This is going to be in your book. What, tell us about the book. Oh, I um, actually just finished my first draft. It took two years almost, but um, I hopefully, I, I don't know if I can tell the title because it's not been, it's not a real book yet, but it's going to be called Hiking is the Easy Part, hopefully, fingers crossed. And it's just a braided style of my time on the Appalachian Trail braided with the story of my life. And it talks about things that happened in my life that inherently relate to the experience on the Appalachian Trail. And it all kind of weaves together and um, the book ends where it starts. Okay. That's intriguing. I hope so. Cause I just sent it to some publishing companies and hopefully they think it's intriguing as well. Is that all you're going to give us on this? Um, I might start releasing some chapters. Um, just, you know, depending on if I'm self publishing or not. Um, but it, it's just a very in-depth story about like my personal mental struggles in life and you know, how they never really go away, but how the trail kind of like rewrote, the parts of me that like were so challenging that, you know, helped me live 
and then like actually finding happiness and like learning self-acceptance and like learning that I actually can complete something, you know, for myself. Okay. So when we first started this interview, I asked the question about, you know, why you did, why you made the decision to do the AT. I felt like we were, you know, we're strangers. We weren't, we weren't familiar with each other, but now I feel like we're friends. And so yeah, of course. if we were to go back to that moment, um, so you were working on things. Did that, was that part of your decision to do the AT was to help sort some things out and simplify and, and kind of think and refine what's going on in your life? Yeah, I had everything on paper that you're supposed to have to make yourself happy. And I felt completely empty and lost. And I thought, what better way to find myself than to get lost? That is nice. That's poetic right there. <laughs> yeah. Very good. How do I sign up for my advanced copy of uh, Hiking is the Easy Part? Um, I'm probably just going to send it out for free to everybody because I, you know, there's been so much support and there's so many people I want to thank for like helping be part of the story. Um, but yeah, just keep in touch. And uh, if it ever gets published, I'll send you a copy. <laughs> Rocket, giving things away for free, that's not the best business model. I'm terrible at business. <laughs> I need to hire someone to manage me. <laughs> All right. Well, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Do you have a TikTok, Julia? Oh, I do. It's just Julia Sheehan one, um, but it's, it's a mess. It's a train wreck, but come along, come join. <laughs> now you, you posted something, was it today? You posted something on TikTok about uh, something that saves you? Yeah, it was like one of those emotional like TikToks. It's like, Right. What was the thing that saved you? And mine was, That's you know, right. hiking. Yeah, Katahdin. You should picture you on mm -hmm. top of Katahdin. Very good. Very yeah. good. See that? I'm keeping up with you on TikTok. Oh my gosh, I got I to gotta find you then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamir at gmail.com. Rocket, I'm also looking to you to share your recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, website, some kind of adventure media to keep our listeners connected to outdoor adventures. We're calling this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us? Oh, I just watched this. It's not new, but it's called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty with Ben Stiller. The soundtrack is what led me to the movie because it popped up on my Spotify and I was like, what is this soundtrack? Holy buckets. Went and watched the movie. Oh my God, it's so good. And Ben Stiller like can do no wrong. So go check it out. It's very adventure oriented, not really backpacking. But there is um, an external frame backpack that he walks into the Himalayas on. So we're just going to leave it at that. Okay. And I have to tell you that I love holy buckets. <laughs> it's I'm better than saying like, holy shit. <laughs> I'm trying to cut down on my curse words. <laughs> I'm going to use that. I'm going to employ holy buckets from now on. That's, that's a great one. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the holy buckets club. Two members, me and you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And before we wrap things up, our last segment is called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell me about? Oh my gosh. Because, you know, know, this, this has already happened a couple times in this episode where I've asked you questions and you haven't been too forthcoming. And then later on it comes out that, oh yeah, here's a story about where I almost died on the AT or here's why I really started hiking the AT. So what, what else do you have for us? Ooh, um, what else? Uh, like what really, like we could talk about that through hiking isn't always as glamorous like experience. Um, it's so over glamorized and that's, you know, part of the reason why, you know, people like me even discovered it because I didn't hear word of mouth. Um, 
and that it can downright suck and be miserable, but it's like the best misery you'll ever experience. And that's about it. I don't have anything else more to share, I don't think. <laughs> okay. I was just going to wait, see if anything else came up. All right. That's like a, that's a trick at um, getting people to confess to murder. You just be quiet and they just keep talking and they talk themselves into a confession. <laughs> that is a wrap from the John Freaking Mirror Studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Rocket? You know, Bacon and Edward Shitterhands. Anybody else out there? Uh, hi, Mom. I love you so much. <laughs> That's it. Just my mom. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. Doesn't care if you want to go downhill. Doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Ba -ba -ba.